I want to give you this verse this morning in our last week of Noah, talking about Noah. Thank you, worship team. Y'all can do your thing. Thank you. Give it up for the worship team. Sound men are killing it today. Sound people. Sound people. Sorry. Sound people are killing it. I know we can't do any terms anymore that suggest anything. Can we say that was good? Oh, that was good. That was great. That was great. The worship team killed it. Real quick, uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 5. And this week, I won't mess up the verse like the last couple. You see, you don't know I was on a restricted carb diet. It's affecting my focus and my brain the last few weeks. So I was having trouble doing basic things like reading. You think I'm joking. Verse 5, real quick. It's so short. Let's read it together. And the waters decreased continually until, everybody say until. Thank God, the 10th month. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were finally visible. Is anybody else tired of being on this boat? This isn't a sermon. This is your life. Okay, we're seeing some mountains. Thank you, God. There still is something in my future. There's still something in the future besides all this water. Y'all may be seated. That was the whole verse. Oh, this is so good. Isn't it funny how God times things such as this, that April showers, we've been on the boat, bring May flowers, and here we are seeing the tops of the mountains on May 2nd? Isn't that just a little bit spiritually divine? I didn't plan that. I'm not spiritual enough to think of that creative timing on sermons. But God says you're going to see the top of the mountains because May is a big month for One Seed Church. Oh, I could just, my dad's looking at me like, are you going to give him some meat? I'm getting there. Mother's Day next week, you don't want to miss it. I know all pastors say you don't want to miss something, but really you don't want to miss Mother's Day. Okay, because it's family Sunday. We're doing family photos after service. Bring all your kids, all your cousins, all your neighbors, all your friends, whoever you want to bring. Bring them to church. It's family Sunday. No, oh, kids are all going to be in here. And we're going to take some photos, and we're going to honor moms. Isn't that cool? You guys know what moms are? Yeah. We're going to do it. And we got some other cool things, so seriously, don't miss this one. But this is week three of Raising the Bar what God did for Noah and what he wants to do in your life in parallel as we go through Noah, we can apply this teaching to our practical everyday living. That's how the Bible works. It wasn't only for Noah. It was for us. God didn't need it for Noah. Noah needed it for Noah. And now we need it for us. So God preserved it so that we could have it. Isn't that good? It's a living word and it breathes and it, it keeps giving you things and in the first week, we talk about the hardest step in serving the Lord is answering a call to do so. It's a, it's a decision first before my actions can follow. And then last week, we talked about persevering because we've been on this boat for 150 days of just rain, plus all the rest of the time. But today, everybody say, today, I saw the mountains peek through that water. Oh, starting to lose hope on this boat. Today is about 
elevation. It's about elevation. And just ironically, I'm wearing my Elevation Church shirt. That was weird too. I did not plan that. How weird is this? Is God doing something? I'm not, I'm not just making this up, guys. God timed it on May 2nd with the elevation because the message was elevation, and that's weird. And God is so strange. But I like it like that. I've been on this boat. We've been on this boat for three weeks. Maybe your boat looks like last year. And I haven't shaven. And I'm just thinking Noah, he's like, doesn't know who that is in the mirror. If he had a mirror, I don't know what he had to look at. I haven't shaven, showered. I smell like giraffes. Completely destroyed my sense of smell. Now everything smells like giraffes. Been on this boat for so long. I'm numb to the idea that I've been living in a zoo for almost a year, and now I'm allergic to animals, and God put all these animals on my boat. I don't know who I am anymore, but I'm going to get through it because God gave us the ability to persevere through tough times by the strength and guidance of his Holy Spirit. That's why you need his spirit, because you are death without life. We are dead in our trespasses without his spirit. But by his spirit, we can persevere on the longest rainy seasons. So don't give up hope this morning when you're nearing possibly the entry point of a brand new day. You know, it's like one of those things where you're thinking, do I just quit? Do I just give this up? And then maybe God is saying, it's just one more day. Just one more day. And a new day is coming. A new entry point. You've been on this boat, and every day Noah's probably like, how long am I going to be on this thing? He probably felt like jumping off that thing a few times and say, Jonah, where are you at? Bring me a whale. You know? That was like a Bible joke. Anyway, it's just repetition. But perhaps today, today, Finally, we're going to see above where we saw a year ago. We're going to see above it. I'm going to see above the waters and something elevate out of the waters. And because of that, because you endured through your perseverance by the power of God in your life, because you were willing to take the call, now you are going to gain a new perspective on church, on serving God, in your life. God is raising the bar today by elevating your trust. It takes trust. That's another thing I've been reevaluating in my own life the last few weeks is maybe I didn't trust like I thought I did. Has anybody else ever has anybody else ever claimed to just trust in the Lord? Lord Almighty. And then they're like, Doubting the same time that God's going to do something? Is it just me? Come on, somebody. It's like all the time, right? It's like I don't know that we ever hit that full, like do we really trust enough to build this boat, get on it, leave everybody? Now, when I saw the flood come, I was reassured that maybe, okay, I was onto something by listening to God. But now I see those mountaintops poking out of the water. And so God says, you weren't crazy by listening. 
to me. You were trusting me through the process. And just like Noah, who didn't know who he was looking at, everything looks the same. You know you can be stuck in yesterday when, when today has come? Like the sun is out and we're still talking about the rain. So I imagine when you're on the boat as long as Noah was, which was about a year, we're going to get there, but y'all know the story. By that 364th day, was he like, I just, find me a whale, swallow me up, take me to heaven? Because all I know is the same. It looks the same over and over, week after week. I'm just seeing water in boats, this boat. And just when it feels like nothing is changing, God is redesigning the earth in this process. So what God is doing in the year that looked like nothing was happening to Noah, God had redone everything for the future of the world. You know, does that sound familiar? Does anybody remember last year? Didn't it feel like forever? Look what it did. It changed the course, I think, of a lot of our hearts for the rest of our life in what felt like an eternity floating. It just, everything looked the same. I was so tired of seeing the masks and all the things and everything just looks the same. But old landscapes have been wiped away through this process and new opportunities are on the horizon because things are elevating out of the water. Just because you don't notice, because you've trained your mind to stay home and to think about being on the boat for the rest of your life, that was yesterday. And God says, it's time to get off that thing. Now it's up to you. We don't need manna no more, says Israel. God says, I've got, I've got agriculture for you to grow some food now. I sustained you for a season so I could give you something. That's what he did for the Israelites, and that's what he's doing now for Noah again. Jesus said, that we are to see and hear in spirit. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. He who follows him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But if we don't hear him any longer, we think we're in a flood. When I saw some mountains, I must send off some birds and see what happens. I'm going to throw out some doves out on the whatever kind of birds they were and see, I think it was a dove, and see if it comes back. Because I'm starting to believe that maybe this isn't forever. Because I saw the mountaintop. It gave me hope again to remember that maybe my thinking has gotten a little delusional to think that this was forever until forever stops. And God says, I got something new now. That season is coming to an end. Oh, this is good. Does anybody ever listen to the same message over and over, of course mine, I'm sure you're listening to them like five times a week. I know Debbie does, and that's a good thing. But have you ever been stuck on a message that God said was fixed yesterday? Well, they don't treat me good. They quit treating you bad five years ago. You, you keep talking about them treating you bad. And do listen multiple times. I definitely suggest that. There's more meat. You like the plug, the self-plug for One Seed Church? We got a mobile app. Well, it's broken. We got, uh, we got podcasts, but the mobile app will be back soon. We got website. So do all that. But, but what I'm saying is once you get fed by something, it's supposed to change you. You don't need to keep God telling you over and over, it is gonna get, it's going to get better. God says, here's how you get off the boat. But some of us never wanted to get on the boat. And then we say, why did we drown in the flood? So... God says, I'm going to give you something that should change the course of your future. And if it doesn't, go listen again. 
and go listen again. But eventually you got to tell yourself, I've got that now and I'm, I'm new. I'm getting off this thing. I'm going to quit talking about how they don't treat me good because they forgot about me anyway. And they don't even treat me bad no more. I forgot about that. But we can get caught in the trance of yesterday's message, yesterday's waters, and it just all looks the same. It's like a water trance. Has anybody ever been in a trance? Come on, somebody, like, uh, like a mummy, mummy trance? No, not that kind of mummy. We're spiritual here, holy spiritual. Emily's been in a trance. I was in a trance once. In fact, pray for us. We're driving to Alabama today, and the last time I drove to Alabama, or one of the times, I was in a road trance. Has anybody ever drift, driven through Alabama at night? You know they don't believe in lights there? It's against the state policy to have electric in the evening? Yeah, Jen. Yeah, for real. She's enlightened. I'm telling you. Google it. So it's perfect because right where there's no lights is when your GPS fails too. It's so good. So they don't like internet and they don't like light and they don't like anything technological. So when you get there, you got to really pray a lot when it's three in the morning and all the Starbucks are closed. But I'm telling you this story because we're going here, we're going today, so pray for us seriously. We're going to be there, we're going to be driving there today. But years ago, I was a lot uh, less intelligent or wise, and I said, I'm just going to drive straight through. Now we take a break in the middle, overnight it. And let me tell you what happens when you try to go straight through in Alabama. When you're on the freeway at two in the morning and there's nothing but you, headlights, the little dotted line in the middle, and semi-trucks. After a while, you just have this trance. You go into this trance. And I'm not kidding you. I did this for hours. And there came to a point, this is horrible that I'm saying this. Thank God I'm still here. But I said, did I just fall asleep and not know it? That's what I said. My babies were little. I'm like, I can't drive like this. I couldn't, I couldn't even remember if I passed out. Because all I could see was, every once in a while, something, you know, you get, you get stuck in it. You get stuck, and all of a sudden, you're not even there anymore. You're in a trance. So we pulled over safely, and I'll spare you the rest of that story because it was creepy. But um, it ended up being good because we made it to Florida. We're going to Gulf Shores this time to the beach and everything. Hopefully, the water's nice and it doesn't rain. I'm tired of talking about rain, if you really want to know. So I'm hoping we don't get no rain this week at the beach. I would never be tired of talking about biblical rain because it's... it's, it's, it's um, Metaphoric, you know? So anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is just like the trance on the freeway in Alabama, you can, be a tra- you can be in a trance on that boat and keep living in yesterday's repetition. It can be with anything. It can be with stinking thinking. You know, we got like a mental health epidemic, pandemic from, from the other pandemic. It's because people had to start thinking and having their thoughts to themselves. I mean, it affected everybody. It affected churches, pastors, people, workers, like any type of people. Then you got your thoughts to yourself. You started saying, I don't like what I'm thinking. And so you get in this trance of stinking thinking. Or maybe you get in this trance of every person's going to do me wrong because they did me wrong. So now every person becomes who they were, even before you know their name. So you bring your baggage right to the new person, you know? Is someone doing an exercise bike? It wouldn't be the first time. One time we had crickets. We've had under the sea. It's all right. I can deal with it. It's just more fun to point out. It makes it more humorous than awkward. You know? 
but it looks the same. And so God wants you to break the repetition by getting out of the trance. And what's going to have to happen if you really want to do it is you got to stay on the boat long enough because what we don't remember is that while he was on the boat, he was elevating high enough to get off of the boat. Is that like an alarm? I love it. This is like Liberty High School flashback. Anybody remember that? The good old days. You don't even know. That was in the auditorium. And we're like, okay, now what? So good, the devil don't like it. I'll set off alarms if I have to. Pressure. Alarms create distraction pressure. God creates elevative pressure through altitude gain. Through altitude gain. So now Noah thought he was never going anywhere on this boat. God was taking his boat up in the process. Because, you know, if he never took you up, there was no way he'd ever get off. There's a reason God placed the boat up in the air, high in altitude on the mountain. Remember, it said the mountains poked through the water. That means God had to elevate something for a shift to happen. And unless you're willing to endure the pressure to your ears as you go up the ski ramp, anybody ever been skiing? What happens when you get on that thing and you didn't drink your water? And they, what do they call it when you're, when you're like woo, dude, woozy and everything? They call it altitude sickness. So you're going to get a little altitude sickness if you really want to get off the boat. If you really want to see a little bit of change, you got to get through the sickness. And that's the only way to do that is through perseverance. So today's the day we're getting off this thing because God's elevating us. And I've had other sermons about altitude and the, the power of pressure and the pulse of pressure and all these things. But what was so cool in the literal is that God was elevating Noah literally in altitude. And there's pressure with that. There's discomfort with that. And as the boat got drier, closer to dry land, it was climbing elevation, raising its elevation. And as you stuck with God, even when the world says you were crazy and no one seemed to care about you in your season, God was elevating you, Debbie. God was raising you up. God was raising you up, Vincent. God was taking you through it, Hannah, elevating you somewhere that felt dormant to you. But remember, we don't serve God by our feelings because God is a God of his word. And he's a, he's a, I would say he's a man of his word. No, he's a God of his word. So when you don't feel it, doesn't mean God's not elevating something. We don't go by our feelings. We go by what our altitude is in our walk. God is raising the bar in somebody today to the next step of their journey by elevating that trust. It starts with trust. It starts with trust. It can be so uncomfortable to deal with pressure that you can say, I'd rather just stay on the boat. When God provides the land to get off the boat, you can actually tell yourself, I'm just going to stay here on the boat. You hear about the kids getting brainwashed when they get stolen, and then the kids don't want to go back home to their parents because they've gotten used to living in that toxic world. Isn't that crazy what the human mind will do? Just a little pure, innocent child can be retrained to think that this is the best life can offer them. But just like the little child, we can make that decision all the way into our adulthood that, that this is the best life can give us. And God says, you're forgetting my word, that I have the best for you, not you. You don't know the end from the beginning like I do. So even though it's a lot of pressure and you're feeling like maybe it'd be more comfortable to stay on the boat, you got to get off the boat if you want to go on to the next chapter 
that I've planned. Because what I've planned is what's best for you. And if I planned it, you want it, says the Lord, through thick and thin, even when it hurts. Amen? Pressure. Nate's out today, but every time I say pressure, we have a traumatic flashback to 2018 when someone freaked out because I was saying pressure, pressure, and I purposely was emphasizing the P in pressure to really make it full of pressure. Remember, Vincent? And, and this person combusted with pressure like into confetti. They went, Poof. like, oh, Lord, too much pressure. Sorry about that. New pastor, rookie mistake, too much pressure, too soon. Now, they didn't really combust, but they ran out the building. It's because I was preaching the devil out of them, really. So I got louder, and they ran out, and I said, they said, where's the number? I said, it's on the church van right in front of that building. If you need to call somebody. He said, where's the number to this place? There's a website on there, too. (laughs) We never heard from him. It's because it was the devil leaving that man. It wasn't the man. It was the pressure of the conviction that the enemy was trying to hold on him, and as I preached it out of him, the devil didn't like that, so he ran him off the cliff just like the swine. That really happens, y'all. It's weird. I know it's weird. But you get someone coming in so scared to face truth that the devil tries to tell them they shouldn't be here, and the devil will try to pull them back out of God's house. But God wins. So you preach it out. You preach it out of them. I wish we could have put hands on that man in a good way. Not like this, but like lay hands on him, you know? Five-fold ministry, you know, like, like, like because he had potential. So I don't know where he went from there, but maybe he'll come back someday and remember that that was the trigger that he needed to realize he needed to elevate with some altitude pressure in his life instead of jumping off the boat. I felt that way when I graduated college. I had a really good routine at the end of college. That was the part of school I liked. I'd get Subway and Arby's every other day. I'd go into, I'd go into Subway and get the whole wheat, foot long, on turkey, all the vegetables, no mustard, only white mayo, no cheese, oil and vinegar, that's it. And I went in there so many times that the, that the, um, the dude, Raul or something, I'd go in there, he'd just say, the, the usual? I'd say, yeah, because that was comforting. And then on the alternate days, I'd get the supersized Diet Coke, Don, because I was trying to be healthy with Diet Coke. You know, I was super consuming the, the aspartame, and I'd get the Arby's with the Market Turkey and Swiss and the, and the Super Arby and the, and the horsey sauce, you know, you know, Cindy, and the, and the Arby sauce, and that was my routine every day for like the last year of college, and I didn't realize how much it cost because then I had to get a job, and then my mom's like, you got to pay for this, and I'm like, ooh, that's expensive. I didn't know I was dropping a lot of money back then, every day. I didn't look at the bill because I was, you know, I was comfortable. I was pampered. I wasn't pampered. I was well taken care of. So when I had to deal with the pressure of change, I thought I, thought I hated school. Maybe I don't mind school as bad as I thought because now I got to be a man and get a job and do all these things. That was scary. That was scary. But if you're never willing to give attention, entertain scary opportunities, you'll never find one. Any good opportunity takes risk. Any success story for God, for life, for business takes a little risk. What's the worst you lose? Some RB sandwiches. Okay. What's the worst that happens? I, I go broke and I got to move home and live, live in my mommy's basement. Well, that's what I end up doing anyway. So it worked out. 
So what's the worst I got to lose by, by stepping out into the world? Because really I had no choice. We talked about this. Noah had no choice. He had to build the boat because the world was going bye-bye. So he had to build the boat. So he still felt like he was making a decision, but God is saying, I've got a decision already for you. You just got to take it either way. And so just like getting out of college in that fear, I knew there was no choice, so you might as well make the best of it. Or I think of my dad enlisting in the draft. This is much more like a better illustration than my petty Arby's story. And I just thought of this, that back in the 70s, my dad, I'm going to tell this story. Is it okay if I tell this story? Thanks. Okay. So, so, can I tell this story? Okay. <laughs> in, in the day, when you would enroll in the military, when they had a draft, they would go by, like, education level and all these things, of, by priority, who goes first and where they go. And my dad was at the bottom of the, of the list for priority, so he was first to go. And so he knew that if he volunteered his time, to, to, instead of being forced into the draft, they'd give him preferential treatment. Well, long story short, they wouldn't take him for some medical issues. But what I'm saying is he knew that he had to get on the boat because the boat was coming either way. You with me? He knew that he had to embrace the change that was unavoidable. And God blessed him for it. God protected him for it. If it wasn't for that, that medical issue, I probably wouldn't have a dad today because he was, he was the front line to be killed. That's just the way it was. That was the Vietnam War, I think. But what I'm saying is he knew it's a choice, but there's no option. It's like multiple choice tests, and there's only A. You can't go circle a different box. There's only A. So God is saying in the reality of it, church, he's saying it doesn't matter if you think you have a choice because you have no choice. You have to do it my way if you want to survive this. This is spiritual talk. This is deep theological talk. There's a reason we say heaven and hell because we believe they exist. It's not just some picture with the guy with the horns and all. They believe there's, we believe there's a place that we are meant to go, but we got to go all in for Jesus to get there. It's good. That's the meat we need to remember when we're worrying about the water on this boat. At least God gave us some water, dear Lord. The Bible says it's going to be a lot different. Later, I won't even go there. People say I'm like being too honest with the Bible or something. We don't want to do that. <laughs> the Bible says the world will be destroyed differently the next time. We don't want to be there. We want to go to heaven. Well, I'm just saved by grace. You know what? Get in your gospel. Go after God's word, and God's going to take you somewhere. It's that simple. Don't overthink about why you're good enough, why you don't need to do X, Y, Z. Just go in for God and quit worrying about all the details. God will transform your life and take you through the waters on a speedboat faster than the ark. That's how we get there. That's how we get off the manna. God is elevating us to a new season. Watch this. And be ready to praise about this. This is good, okay? So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna shout about this when I get through this passage, okay? So be ready for the cue, okay? Genesis chapter 8, verse 13 through 19. I'm going to read this like I believe it, and then we're going to respond at the end like, oh, my Lord, it's just the best thing ever, kind of like donuts when they're fresh out the bakery at one seed, okay? Okay, uh, 13 through 19, and it came to pass... Noah's, Noah's seen this, and he's going, what am I, what's going on here? He's in denial at this point. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. Now, this is talking about the time 
in, 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 in earth, not the time he was on the water, not the amount of time. It was in the 600th year of his life that the waters were dried up from the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, come on somebody, get ready for this. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. And then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your daughters and your sons' wives with you. Bring out every living thing that came all in the flesh that was with you on the boat, including the birds and the cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth now. Come on, somebody, and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out of the boat and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creeps on the earth according to their families. Come on, somebody, went out and got out of that ark. Do you believe it? Do you remember when Corona said you could go somewhere? You remember that feeling when people said, you don't have to like live in your house anymore? And we said, okay, whatever you say, we're gonna come outside and play in our front yards. I hope nobody sees us. They might yell at us if we're playing with our kids in the front yard. Come on, somebody. They're on an ark for a year. Nothing, nothing. So if you really can take yourself there and think about what it was like to finally see land. It's like, like back to the future. Like Doc Brown, like, whoa, Marty, you know, like, get me off this thing. I'm jumping off the boat on the dry land. I don't care where I land. Get me off. You know how elated he had to be when he lost the trance he was in and reality came back to him. Sweating it up because that's good. Don't forget that. This is a real boat with real people that really stuck on this water. I wonder if there's any sharks. I don't know. God is elevating you to a new season, but you got to embrace the ride to get to the end, to get to the new thing, which is the earth. Praise God for that. God did what we had concluded was impossible at this point. We had given up hope that God could do it because all I saw was water. All I saw was water, so now my, my comprehension of everything God can be in my life is restricted to the limitation of what I can see with my fleshly eyes. That's the problem, that's the thing Jesus preached against. He says, you're not seeing it for what it really is. You're so worried about miracles, and I'm saying I'm forgiven sin. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than our view. So God just took Noah's view of this and expanded it to the uttermost parts of the world. Now the earth has been revealed that there's so much more that was brewing during the elevation process. You getting this? Whew, that's good. God has raised the bar, allowing me to live a new way, a new life I was meant to be meant to have. If y'all could stand with me while I wipe my forehead with my trusty t-shirt. This is firing me up this morning in my spirit because I'm trying to start remembering what these people felt because it brings us to life in our own world. God can do this for you in one decision. That decision to build that boat was the same decision that you say, I'm going to quit playing games with the Lord. 
I'm going to quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. Who really cares? Because guess what? The people who have a problem with what you're doing are actually really just want to follow somebody because they're scared themselves. So when you do it, they will do it. They will follow. You will make disciples in the process. The fear in week one to build that boat, don't let it be the fear that stops you from the opportunity to get off the boat. You wanted God to do something, but you were not willing to get on the boat. So when you're willing to get on, you know that God will take you back off the boat. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Come on, somebody. Do you believe this is real? Do you believe that God's word really took this man through the waters, that God could part the Red Seas, that God could raise Lazarus from the dead, that God could break fish and bread and feed 20,000 if you include women and children? Somebody didn't mention that part. That's what he did, and there was leftovers. Do you believe God is doing something in this word? It's real. It's life-giving. And when we take that into tomorrow, Monday, we take that in like, my God is good. My God is doing something. You don't even know. I can't even talk about it. It's so good. When you take that kind of energy into this world, they're going to say, I want a piece of that. That's the bread I'm talking about. That's the bread of life I'm talking about. We don't need the animals no more because Jesus is our bread that's sustaining us. It's good. So that's what we're gonna do. So we ask right now, Lord, every head bowed, every hand lifted, that we keep remembering the end of the journey from the beginning, that we're not worried about when, we just know you are going to get us through it because you told us to get on the boat. And if you called us to the boat, we know you're gonna take us out of the boat and it's gonna be so much better when we get to get off that boat. And God, we're just so excited to be in this season as a church, in this world at this time and day and age when people are pushing you aside and they're forgetting who you are and they're forgetting what you are in their life because they don't even know anymore because they're living in a trance of this corona in this world and technology and they're living in this trance of yesterday. But God, you need to wake them up now and get them in your house because tomorrow is quickly fading and we don't know when that boat is ready to get off onto the shore. We give you thanks, God. We give you all the praise. Let us take your spirit into this world this week and bring back your children into your house next week on Mother's Day so we can honor our moms and honor this church and honor so many good things and oh, it's gonna be good, God. I can hardly hold it back now, but I gotta wait till next week. Thank you, God. We give praise and all the honor and all the glory and all our hearts to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.